We are delighted to partner with Jane Plan, the UK's leading weight management system, for this season. Use unique code TWC50 for an incredible £50 off at www.janeplan.com. Now, if you think of the gut like a little factory, a factory producing products from your factory. Now, these products produced by your bacteria can either be really beneficial to the body and help all they can cause problems. And so when we have gut issues or issues with our gut microbiome, we might start noticing digestive problems like flatulence and bloating, digestive pain, or we might start getting skin issues. We might start getting migraines, low mood, irritability, brain fog. We can have these symptoms that are very far away from the source of the problem because of the extensive link that the gut has with the rest of the body. Hello and welcome to Two Women Chatting. I'm Michelle. And I'm Liz. In a pretty gutsy move, we thought today we would talk about gut health. You had to get that in, didn't you? You've been waiting for that punchline. <laughs> I know, sorry about that. But um, yeah, pretty important topic because... It does seem that so much of our well-being and our the way we operate, the way we sleep, is really affected by your gut. And I'm I don't really know much about it. Do you? Well, it just seems to be in the papers a lot, and it's, it seems to be you know well, everyone's talking about it. But I think it's because the science is backing up the fact that it, your gut is so important. So really, we're just catching up. Science is catching up with what our bodies have always known. Yeah, I think. That's what I've read, at least, that it's it's catching up and they're seeing, realising it's affecting weight, some diseases, and just, general, as you just said, well-being. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's evidence to suggest that gut-related health conditions like irritable bowel syndrome have really, really gone up. And there's this global survey that was published in 2021 of 73,000 adults and they found that more than 40% of respondents had gastrointestinal disorders like constipation or IBS. And, you know, these are all gut-related health conditions. What can we do? This chronic pain that a lot of people feel like they feel sluggish or blah or, you know, diarrhoea all the time and stuff. It really seems like there are simple things that we can do or, or things that we should be paying attention to so that our guts don't drop, yeah. their, drop it, their guts. <laughs> It's knowing what to do and not what to do because you've got to take stuff out without knowing what you, you should put in, so to speak. Oh, I think you explained that really well. I know. <laughs> do you know do what? You know, I, think I, should, I think I should be a doctor. <laughs> a doctor? Or why don't we just get a nutritionist on? An expert, yeah. 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 Well, luckily, I've said this before, um, we've got Pauline Cox, who is um, a functional nutritionist, and I'm sure she can point us in the right direction. So why don't we get her on and learn a bit more about the gut biome, even that word. What, what is that no idea all what about? It means, yeah. I feel like I'm on a science trip, but I think it'll be interesting. So let's go and invite her in. So welcome to Pauline Cox, who is a functional nutritionist. She's going to have to tell us what that is exactly, because I'm not sure. Um, she's the author of Hungry Woman, um, Eating for Good Health, Happiness and Hormones, and co-founder of Sew and Arrow. You may have seen her in magazines, on daytime TV, um, giving advice often on supplements. I love what you do on social media. You're very clear. Um, it's like one, two, three, three things that will help you sleep, three things that will, you know, 
do great things as a midlife woman. But what we want to really talk to you about today is gut health. So welcome, Pauline. Hi, ladies. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Lovely to, yeah. lovely to get to talk to you. Um, gut health and midlife women. Let's get right into it. You know, it's kind of exhausting, isn't it? You know, we're talking about HRT or we're talking about supplements. But gut health is so essential to women's health. And why? It really is. And it's an area of our health that we can have such a huge influence over. And I love that. I love finding the low-hanging fruit that we can every single day when we're making a decision about whether we go out for a walk, what we're eating, the air that we're breathing, whether we garden or pet our dog or kiss our partner. These are all things that are heavily influencing our gut microbiome. And so it's so lovely to find something that's very much within our control that does have such a profound impact on our current health, but also our longevity too. You talk about walking the dog or kissing your husband. How, how can that have effect on your gut? <laughs> I know, it's really interesting, isn't it? So our, our gut health is kind of like a fingerprint. So there's a certain part of our gut microbiome, which is this collection of bacteria, virus, fungi within our gut that we house. It's a little microclimate within our body. And there's a certain element that is dictated from very, very young, a young age, whether we're born via cesarean or a vaginal birth, the environment that we grew up in, in a beautiful green leafy forest or a, an urban environment, the illnesses we've had, the antibiotics we've been subject to. And then there is a part of our microbiome that is very much influenced by our diet, what we're eating that day, who we've kissed, whether we have a pet in the house. The pet has certain bacteria on it and surrounding it that when we're petting our animals, it's influencing our gut microbiome. When we go out and garden, the soil is churning up these bacteria that we're ingesting and getting into our microbiome. And that again has a really beneficial, positive impact on our gut microbiome. Amazing. Oh, I told you. <laughs> She's a gardener. <laughs> there you go. Gardening, I think, is the ultimate in biohacking, really. I'm such a big fan of spending time in our garden because you're getting exposure to daylight, which is incredibly important for our, our neurotransmitters, our serotonin levels, our dopamine. We're getting vitamin D. We're really helping to sync our circadian rhythm, our internal body clock. We're getting exposed to these microbes from the soil. We're, we're creating this beautiful relationship with nature. Often we become very disconnected from nature. And by surrounding ourselves in our garden or just going for a beautiful walk, we're reconnecting with nature, which allows us to reconnect with ourselves. Well, not for a second starting this interview did I think we would be connecting gardening and gut. <laughs> How absolutely oh, refreshing I'm, I'm and done. wonderful. I'm going. I'm sorted. Yeah, you are sorted. <laughs> Um, but I mean, we can get it from diet, can't we? And people talk about having kimchi and, um, you know, highly, what are the, what's it called? The fermented foods. Fermented foods. Yeah. Yes. All those foods, which actually I quite like kimchi, but, um, then, you know, people are selling probiotics and prebiotics or combined. Do you need it all? Do you need to take it as a supplement or should you be getting it from your food? I think first and foremost, it's important for us to really understand that we can't out-supplement a bad diet. So finding those really simple daily habits, like having some vegetables, having a little bit, especially for 
Um, as ladies, we really want to be making sure our detox pathways are open. That means having an effective liver, a really great gut microbiome and healthy bowels. And that's very important for our estrogen detoxification. So fiber is a really important part of keeping our bowels healthy. And it's also fuel for our gut microbiome. So having, having some colorful um, vegetables, some dark berries, blueberries are uh, absolute superfood in my opinion. I have blueberries every day. They have wonderful antioxidants um, and fiber levels and vitamin C, and they they can help with our blood sugar regulation as well. So they're a very low sugar fruit that have lots and lots of great benefits for our health and our gut microbiome. Does it matter if they're fresh or frozen? Can you have either? I have frozen, yeah, I eat frozen blueberries every morning. I stick some in a smoothie. I like frozen because you're, um, you're, you're able to get them all year round and you're able to get really nice quality blueberries when they're frozen. Uh, I find that getting them all year round when they're not frozen it's very hit. The taste does the change, doesn't it? It's not like strawberry season, so. but it's like taste of nothing. Yeah. It's also frozen. You know, if they're wonky fruit, it's much cheaper. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm a big fan of frozen. And I'm I'm really a big fan of looking at very easy wins. And excuse the pun, we're talking about fruit, but really getting the low-hanging fruit again. So if if you're someone who's quite extreme and you're you're currently in a situation where you feel like your diet is just not where it should be. You really like convenience food or junk food. You're feeling stuck in that position of I'm craving the wrong foods and I can't get out of that position. Rather than trying to remove everything, just start adding a few really good things that's going to help to influence your microbiome, which will influence cravings also. So you can start just by thinking, I'm going to add in some blueberries every day. I might even add in some sauerkraut, as you pointed out. These fermented foods aren't just going to influence your microbiome. They are an incredible source of other goodness and nutrients like vitamin C, for example. Sauerkraut is a very rich source of vitamin C. And it's also a source of lactic acid, which really helps to acidify the gut and helps us to absorb the nutrients from the rest of our food. So making small steps and simple changes rather than just thinking, I'm going to stick a probiotic in and, um, you know, keep keep eating the foods I'm eating. We're much better off looking at whole foods first and then looking at a probiotic as a way of supporting specific systems within the body. For example, um, you could look at fermented milk thistle, which I'm a big fan of, for really helping to support the liver and bile production. Or you could look at fermented turmeric, which is very anti-inflammatory and can help with all sorts of issues like joint pain or um, it can help with again. Can I just the liver. Ask, I've never heard of. I mean, I've heard of milk thistle, and I know it's great for the for the liver. Never heard of these things being fermented. So does that mean they come as liquid form, or I mean, where do you, where do you buy them? Yeah, so they are capsular in form, and so rather than just looking at your bog standard probiotics, which can often contain some of the bacteria that we have plenty of, or we can get from natural yogurt, for example you can find probiotics that are much more targeted at um, specific, specific systems, for example, the, the liver, or um, reducing systemic inflammation, or even the gut-brain axis. So fermented, um, what they're called, nootropics. So these are things that really help to support the brain. So a brand I really like is called Living Nutrition. And Graham Botfield is just a genius when it comes to creating these fermented botanicals. And they can have really 
targeted effects because when you ferment things like turmeric or garlic or um, milk thistle, it creates a more bioavailable form of that specific. So you guys may know that turmeric more? is quite... Exactly. Turmeric is not particularly... The active part of turmeric is curcumin, and that's not very well absorbed by the body. Although it's very potent when we when we have it in our body, it's not very well absorbed. And so when we make it more available to the body and we absorb more of it, we can have more of an impact from the turmeric and the curcumin within it. So, Pauline, can you tell us, if we've got bad gut health, how would we be able to tell? What are the symptoms of having a, a gut that isn't working very well? Well, that's the thing with the gut, is it is really the gateway to all our health ailments, but also our, our, our health goals in many ways. Yes, the gut is the place where we digest our food and it houses this wonderful microclimate of bacteria, viruses and fungi. Now, if you think of the gut like a little factory, a factory producing products from your factory. Now, these products produced by your bacteria can either be really beneficial to the body and help they come into the bloodstream and they can go into the brain and they can soothe and help to restore and regenerate the brain or they can cause problems they can be bad factory workers and, and pump out inflammatory cytokines so things that create inflammation within the body and so when we have gut issues or issues with our gut microbiome we might start noticing digestive problems like flatulence and bloating digestive pain or we might start getting skin issues. We might start getting migraines, low mood, irritability, brain fog. We can have these symptoms that are very far away from the source of the problem because of the extensive link that the gut has with the rest of the body. Now, hang on. Some of these things that you've just mentioned are also symptoms of the menopause. So would I be right in thinking that you're in menopause or in perimenopause that you can exacerbate the symptoms of a bad gut and it can make you feel even worse because you've got them coming at you from hormones and your gut. Yes, absolutely. The gut is incredibly important for our hormonal health and the hormonal balance. So when we think about estrogen and progesterone, there should be a really beautiful balance between these two hormones. And as we enter very early perimenopause, we can start to lose progesterone. That's the first hormone that starts to go, which creates a more estrogen dominant effect. That can look like heavier periods, clotty periods, uh, increase in sort of PMS type symptoms, skin issues, the loss of soothing, calming progesterone can see insomnia increase, increased anxiety. Now our gut houses all these bacteria, but it also houses a specific type of bacteria that can influence our estrogen levels. So the liver is very important for um, metabolizing or, or taking used estrogen and helping it to be removed from the body. So when used estrogen comes to the liver, the liver tags it to tell the body this is ready to, to be disposed of. That tagged estrogen goes via the gut. And if we have a high presence of a certain bad bacteria, that bad bacteria will untag the estrogen and allow that estrogen to be reabsorbed back into the body. So it's like they're fighting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So the, this this very specific bacteria within the gut is very important for um, 
for looking at our estrogen levels and for making sure that it doesn't become too dominant and that that doesn't in itself create estrogen dominance. And that same tagged bacteria, that same tagged estrogen can sit in the bowels for too long if our bowel movements aren't nice and regular. And that's another route for that estrogen to be reabsorbed back into the body. And so that bowel movements are so important for reducing and, and reducing the incidence of estrogen-driven female cancers. Wow. I never knew that. I never knew that. So, I mean, slightly off topic, but so should you have a, is it a colonoscopy? What was the one where they kind of shoot water up your backside and it comes out as poop? What's better to do, because what you don't want to do is remove all of these beneficial bacteria that line the colon as well as the small intestine. You want to be looking at, okay, why am I not having great bowel movements? You want to be having a bowel movement first thing in the morning. It is a really important action to be undertaking at least one good bowel movement a day. It's not so much the quantity of bowel movements, it's the quality. So if you're having really a, a one good bowel movement in the morning, that's great. If you're not going at least once a day, that's when you should be thinking, okay, I need to be looking at what's going on in my gut because the microbiome will influence your bowel movements. What else influences your bowel movements? Your liver. Your liver produces bile. Bile helps the smooth transition of the bowel movements out. So if your liver is sluggish and you're not producing bile adequately, you can have issues with bowel movements. If you're low in magnesium, which helps muscles to relax the bowel as a muscle, then your bowel might be really tight. And that, again, could be causing issues with um, bowel movements or even a lack of fiber in the diet. So there are all these different areas that we can influence our bowel movements without trying to jump to a, a quick solution and instead going, okay, what's my body telling me that I'm currently lacking? Is it hydration? Is it magnesium? Is it fiber? Is it bile? Because my liver's a little bit sluggish. And these are all areas that we want to be constantly, constantly looking at improving upon anyway, just for our longevity. I mean, I keep saying, wow, because you keep yeah. saying things that are like, didn't know all that stuff. So, so for, you know, is there a test that we can, you know, it's a benchmark what our, our gut is, um, is doing? What, whether we've got good bacteria yeah. in there. So I you, suppose you it's know, a stool yeah. test, isn't yeah. it? Talking about the state of our bowels, there is a very, very non-scientific test you can do, do called the sweet corn test. And that's how quickly sweet corn will transition through the body and come out in the stool. And that will give you an idea of, I ate some sweet corn this morning and there it is this evening or the next morning versus four days later. Oh, wow, there's that sweet corn. Can I ask a really childish question then? Of course and you I've can. I've been wondering about this for years and it's kind of related to sweet corn. Is it true that if you eat popcorn, <laughs> the kernels and the bits that are a bit rough, they just stay in your colon for years and years and sort of like detritus? Is that true? Maybe you don't know the answer to that, but I, I don't know the exact answer, but an educated guess would be no, because the colon is not designed to, to kind of, if something is not digestible by the body, it should be coming out the other end. Right. Because otherwise... you know, our bodies are innately intelligent and they just have this incredible um, wisdom built in. And so if the body doesn't, if it can't break something down and it doesn't want it in there, it should be coming out the other end rather than being housed in the colon. You've got loads of popcorn, it's just part of come out. No, it gets rid of most of it, but there's like... Yeah, but if you had lots of it, it would... I read it. You read it. I read it, and I just wanted to check my facts. 
Oh, I'm going to test that. I'm going to have some uh, corn on the cob. We have it, I think, tomorrow. We've got some in the fridge, I saw. So yeah, I'm you can keep the results to yourself, I know, I'm going to find out. I'll let you know. <laughs> That's fine. You TMI. If, like me, you're looking to lose weight, then take a look at Jane Plan. Jane Plan is the UK's leading weight management system that creates deliciously healthy meals and delivers them directly to your door. Together with their support, you'll lose weight, feel healthier, happier and more in control of your eating habits. Created by nutritionist Jane Michelle, Jane Plan is the easy and healthy way to lose weight. All your breakfasts, lunch, dinners and snacks are pre-prepared, perfectly portioned and nutritious. Taking the worry away when it comes to managing your weight. There's no calorie counting, no weighing, no complicated recipes to follow and virtually no shopping either. In fact, all you need to do is heat and eat. And with personalised support from their qualified nutritionists, you'll join over 100,000 Jane planners who have lost weight and kept it off. Did you know menopause symptoms have been directly linked to the gut microbiome? The fluctuating and declining sex hormones cause disruption to the gut microbiome and this affects the metabolism of hormones, digestion and absorption of essential nutrients, leading to the symptoms we experience. On top of this, gut health is linked to our cardiovascular and brain health. Improving gut health through targeted probiotics and diet can significantly change your experience of menopause and improve second-half health and wellness. The Better Gut is the flagship product of Better Menopause, the first probiotic that has been specifically designed for women in peri and menopause, with six science-backed strains of bacteria that target anxiety, sleep, weight, inflammation, vaginal health, urinary health, hot flushes, night sweats, bloating, constipation and immunity. Try The Better Gut today to support you through a better menopause. Visit thebettermenopause.com to find out more. With delivery straight to your door and the supplements coming in convenient, portable packaging, they'll easily blend into and support any busy lifestyle. Sign up to their newsletter and join their thriving community. And right now, you can receive 15% off your first order with our special code, 2WOMEN. Go to www.thebettermenopause.com. Right, so bringing it back to to midlife women, I do get very confused, and I I know that you're the founder of Sew an Arrow, which I think is a really cool name, Sew an Arrow, which does sell supplements. There are so many supplements. Do we need them all? My head, I mean, I love your social media because I was flicking through it, and it's very clear if you're not if you're not sleeping, magnesium is great, and this is great. If I took every supplement. That when I go through magazines and I listen to experts like you and I listen to podcasts, I would be rattling, wouldn't I? How do we drill down on the ones that we really do need that fill a gap that our body is not getting either through diet without having a pharmacy load of, of things in our cabinet? How, how do you like bring it down to what you really, really need? I think that's a question that a lot of people um ask themselves. It's very much you hear the latest fad, the latest wonder supplement, and you think, I must get that, but I'm already taking five or six of the supplements. And when it comes to supplementation, I think the most important thing is to consider your own lifestyle, your age, what's going on in your life. So we know there are some common deficiencies. For example, uh, magnesium is up there as one of the top deficiencies, particularly subclinical deficiencies. So it's not something that you could necessarily test and go, 
hey, I'm deficient, because there are two types of deficiencies. There are frank deficiencies, like when you have a frank deficiency of vitamin C, you end up with scurvy, or there's just low levels, subclinical. And that means that you'll you'll get on okay, but you'll start to struggle because your body's not getting the amount that it, it needs to thrive. So magnesium is in one of those categories where if you are stressed, if you have high blood sugars, if you're inflamed, if you're over the age of 40, because age is a risk factor with magnesium because we don't absorb it as well. If you're on certain medication like proton pump inhibitors, you won't absorb as much magnesium from your diet. So there are these certain factors that will influence the things that are your go-to as to, in terms of what's going to move the needle the most for you. If you're suffering from insomnia and anxiety and your blood sugars are creeping up and you're gaining weight or your thyroid is sluggish because you're low in magnesium, then it's finding that one, two, maybe even three supplements that shift the needle the most. And magnesium for me is one of those because we all tend to be low in it and it hits so many different pathways and systems that you notice energy improving, sleep improving, blood sugars, um, progesterone increases. It's one of those, those supplements that hits a lot of things all at once. And so it really helps to make it an easy decision. Vitamin D is another one. We are low in vitamin D generally as a nation. And so we need vitamin D. Vitamin D receptors are on every single cell in the body. And it is such an important vitamin to be having in our in our body. I mean, we get the majority of it from exposure to sunshine, which is why we tend to be quite deficient because many of us work in offices or we don't get that sunshine exposure many months of the year in the UK. Um, and so and vitamin, low vitamin D has been linked to so many chronic illnesses. So vitamin D and magnesium are ones that I would consider kind of on the top three. And then omega-3 fatty acids would be my other must. And then everything that comes from there really is a, okay, well, I, I can get it from my diet or I can use a specific botanical or um, herb that might help with a particular symptom I'm trying to target versus getting your foundation right first. You know, if you're lacking in omega-3 fatty acids, your brain health is not going to be optimal. Your mood isn't going to be optimal. Your immune function isn't going to be optimal. So you you always want to try and get those broad range targets first before going for the higher hanging fruit of, oh, I could do with improving my, my liver function by taking milk thistle. Well, get your, get your core supplements in first. Thank you. That's very helpful. I have one question um, about sort of a specific symptom in, in menopause, and that's focusing brain fog. I think I read somewhere that gut health can affect your focus and your your brain health, your brain fog. Is that right? Absolutely. Your gut and your brain talk to each other all the time via a nerve that's a super super highway, and the the, the pathway that conversation goes both ways. So. You have this really important nerve called the vagus nerve that runs from your brain to your gut and goes back from your gut to your brain. And so when you're eating food, let's say your um, omega-3 rich foods like oily fish and your protein rich foods like eggs, your the nerve from your brain to your gut is sensing all the time what you're eating and is the brain getting what it needs to, op to, to be optimal. So if you're not getting what the brain needs to build serotonin and dopamine to um, 
build melatonin from serotonin. If it's not getting what it needs, it's going to tell you to keep eating. So this very important pathway, um, and it's really important if you're trying to stop food cravings, for example, this is why protein is very satiating, very filling, because your brain, when, when it gets the amino acids, the building blocks of protein that it needs, it'll say, okay, I'm good now. We have what we need. Once it's got the essential fatty acids, the very important intelligent fats from your food, the brain will also say, I'm good now. I have what I need. And this is why people can eat and eat and eat lots of highly processed foods that have very little nutritional value to them and still be hungry an hour later. Mm. So if you keep your gut healthy, you can help with weight loss or weight management then? Absolutely. I mean, the, the gut has a very influential role when it comes to, to weight management. Um, there's, there's something called an obesogenic gut microbiome, which basically means you have a microbiome that is telling your body to gain weight, to lay down fat. How do we tell very it interesting studies. <laughs> well, it, and it's really down to shift. It's not diet, it's the microbiome. So when they take mice within a, a lab and they take two mice who have different gut microbiome and an, an obese mouse will have a certain microbiome. And if you don't change the diet of the slim mouse at all and you just put that microbiome into that poor little mouse of the obesogenic mouse, then that weight, that little mouse will gain weight without changing its diet by just changing the microbiome from the obesogenic mouse. And so, could that be hormone related through menopause or perimenopause? Is that how we well, could have like adjusted the barometer? In during perimenopause and menopause, we are more prone to gaining weight. And this is because we become more what's called insulin resistant. That means our blood sugars are more prone to rising. And those blood sugars aren't being used by the muscle and the brain as readily. Because if you've been spiking your blood sugars for too long, over a long period of time, then the cells of the body and the brain say, okay, insulin, I'm not listening to your demands to take this blood sugar in anymore. I've had enough. And so these blood sugars start to creep up, insulin levels start to creep up, and insulin encourages the body to store fat. And so you now have this situation where you have more body fat being laid down, but these poor cells in the brain and the body aren't able to gain access to this very valuable source of fuel. So the the way to, to really help stop this happening is to keep our lean muscle mass, keep our, our muscles optimal because muscles use up lots of glucose, as does the brain. And if we can be keeping our lean muscle mass, then as our blood sugars creep up, our muscles will readily gobble up all that blood sugar and there's no room for that blood sugar then being shunted off to be stored as fat. So that, is that so, like weight training then? Is it, you know... Um... Walking even, you know, oh, just, okay. just keeping moving. Yeah, going... Just movement is so important for um, keeping our leg muscles. You know, our thighs are big, fat, juicy muscles and they use up a lot of glucose as are our glutes, our, our butt muscles, they're, they're hungry muscles. And so if you're going for a hill walk or going for a, a walk to the shops and back every day, or you're going to walk your dog, you're using the biggest muscles in the body, the thighs and the glutes, and they will be using up blood sugars all the time. If we're sat all day and maybe just going to the gym for half an hour, 
and then sitting again all day, it is not going to have the same benefit as going for a nice long walk and then getting out in your garden and doing a bit of digging or a bit of weeding um, or going up and doing the hoovering. All of these functional exercises are so much better for our mental and physical well-being than spending half an hour to 40 minutes in a gym and then sitting all day. It's oh, like the old days, isn't it? I love your advice. It's just yeah. sensible advice. But it's what people did 50 years ago, whatever, you know. Yeah, we're you, so you, sedentary. You should, we don't yeah. scrub our front doorstep and we don't, often we don't even do the cleaning ourselves, do we? I yeah. mean, we're all so busy working and, and multitasking. We, we, we're filling well, in we're those We're in a rush, aren't we? So you jump in the car rather than walking. Yeah, you think, I've only got five minutes to drop off this. Or your so... kids are further away to school, so they don't walk to school and we don't walk with them. You know, so many things. It's, it's common sense, isn't it? It is. So... So in essence, Pauline, if you were just to say two or three things that you could do right now to start helping your gut health, what would they be? Okay, so I would say go for a morning walk, um, which means you're getting outside, you're getting fresh air. That exposure to daylight is going to help increase your serotonin levels, which are your feel-good levels. Serotonin converts to melatonin at night, so you're going to sleep better. So you're getting more of your feel-good hormone, you're going to make better food choices. Most people know they should be eating more of vegetables and the berries. Most people know they shouldn't be eating so much um, processed food. What we need to explore is why we're making those decisions. And ordinarily, people make them out of tiredness, out of convenience, out of not prioritizing things that are really going to make a difference to their mental well-being and their physical well-being. So by going for a walk first thing in the morning, you're going to feel more energized. You're going to feel happier because of the levels of serotonin and dopamine within your body. Dopamine is our motivation hormone. So when our dopamine levels increase because of going for a walk first thing in the morning, we feel more motivated to make a nice green leafy salad with some lovely protein on the side. We feel more motivated to go down to our local health food shop and stock up on sauerkraut. So... I would say go for a walk and then prepare. Really do a bit of a detox in your fridge. Go all Marie Kondo on your fridge and look at the things that are in there and think, do I really need that in there? Because it's just going to be a temptation to me. Instead, have a bowl of boiled eggs. Have a little pot of a, a sauerkraut that you find really tempting. It could be fermented beetroot, which is incredible for women's health. It could be red cabbage, white cabbage. It could be fermented carrots. Don't restrict yourself to kind of like putting a teaspoon in going, oh, I, I don't like this. There are so many great fermented foods on the market. Have a look at what you're drinking. If you're currently drinking sodas and fizzy drinks, think I might try some kombucha. I might try a bit of kefir water, um, maybe some apple cider vinegar with sparkling water. Making those small incremental steps towards change leads you on the path to feeling better, feeling more energized, and then that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You do more and more because you feel this way. And then your gut just, it naturally starts to improve. Your digestion improves because you're less stressed. Your microbiome becomes more diverse, which is highly linked to longevity and great health. You're enjoying the process of looking after yourself more, and you're sleeping better, which also influences your microbiome. Well, honestly, that sounds all so doable. Doesn't it? Yeah. And it's we're not talking about money. Uh, we're not talking about going out and buying a load of supplements, although, you know, discuss with a functional nutritionist or your doctor if you do need to, to supplement. But going for a walk, clearing your fridge, choosing a drink and hydrating wisely, we could all do that. 
today and then add in other things afterwards. Your book, Hungry Woman, I'm sure it covers lots of really great recipes, which are great for guts. <laughs> Sounds really weird when you say it like that, doesn't it? <laughs> but um, thank you so much for sharing such amazing wisdom and, and just really common sense, actually. I love that you come at it at such a basic, simple level. Though. Yeah, no, not, I'm not, it's not being condescending. Not too intellectual high level, which which would be beyond me. If it was too scientific, it would have been beyond yeah, me. Yeah, you know, no, it, I, it's really, I would turn really, off. Really I can do this. I yeah. can do this all day long. How do people find you if they want to get more information, maybe find your book? Where are you on Instagram and so on? Yeah, I'm on Instagram at, at Pauline J. Cox. Um, you can get my book from all good major book retailers, Amazon, Blackwell's, WH Smith's, um, Waterstones. And it's also for sale at Sew and Arrow. And you can also follow Sew and Arrow on Instagram. And yeah, that's where you can find me. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been absolutely lovely to talk to you. Thank you, ladies. Well, I know what you should get. You're going to say a dog, aren't you? Yeah, lots of kisses and then roll around in the grass. That would <laughs> Same with the dog or James. <laughs> oh, that's a vision. <laughs> I love I love that common sense stuff. I, I, who knew that we were going to talk about gardens and guts? You, you're in yeah, your element. I, I certainly well. That's it. I'm sorted. No wonder you're so tiny. What, not just short? No, you are tiny. You are I, yeah, tiny. That, I think maybe I've, without realising, I've sort of been following like a Jane plan. Mm, mm. You know, eating less, eating the right foods, and my gut health has improved. Yeah, well, I mean, I've been on it for a couple of months now, and definitely my portions are less. I'm not having the sugar. And, you know, obviously some of that, from before was alcohol which I guess just ferments in my stomach and alcohol doesn't help anything we know that from when we did the uh, episode all about sobriety and sober curious yeah yeah and I've gone back to a lot of those drinks actually I've um they're really good I've gone back to um trip and kombucha style thing I'm gonna try what Pauline says about putting a little bit of um apple cider Cider vinegar in in sparkling sparkling water. water yeah that's I mean it's substituting. It's so easy, really. It's just having it in the house. And that's what she said. Go and prepare stuff earlier. You know, go for your walk, prepare, and then you're done for the day. But what I also love is it doesn't have to be expensive. Do the, do the things that she suggests. Make sure there's not crud in your house. But you can have frozen wonky blueberries. How would they be wonky? No, wonky fruit. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, blueberries yeah. wouldn't be. So I do realise since I said that. But I know what I mean, because I've got a whole freezer full of wonky fruit. And that's just not for my growing. That's not just yours. Yeah. But... Yeah, you don't have to spend a fortune on all these pro and prebiotics, I guess, um, depending what you need. I think we should just say that if you are going to change your diet in any way, you should always check with your GP or a nutritionist and make sure that Mm. anything that you add to your diet doesn't mess with any medications that you're on. Yeah, got to balance it all. Yeah, yeah, but I mean... But she she also, when you talk about it, she spoke about, you know, you don't need that many different supplements, and that's what I liked as well. We need magnesium... Mm, omega three. three, and there was one other one. I've forgotten oh, already. <laughs> That's not good, what was it? the one for the brain? I was gonna say the brain. Oh my god! Oh god! What was it? Was it magnesium it was as well? Five minutes ago, oh, Liz. I can't remember. Oh, oh we'll look it up. Well, yeah. the great thing is, we we carried on chatting to Pauline afterwards, and we asked if she could provide a blog um, on just this subject for our website, which is www.twowomenchatting.com, and Liz will be popping that up, won't you? I will be. Uh, to go with all the other resources that we've got on our incredible midlife library, which we add to every week. If you haven't been in there for a while, 
it's expanded. It's expanded and there's loads of great stuff to, to go and look at. So I enjoyed that. Gut health does seems to really be a preeminent area of your body to, to concentrate on for in so many ways for your your brain health and your your sleep and just your well-being just general well-being now i know a bit more about it i feel quite confident that i can apply that to life so i think you do that's what that you have now well i think yeah i feel i don't have the bloating that i used to have so i think that's important and all this ultra processed and over processed is it over processed ultra, ultra processed yeah just highly processed foods they're not good for you. Time and time again, this is coming up and we really need to explore this, I think, in another podcast that it's just not good for you. So you can't go wrong with great vegetables, which I'm lucky enough to have my own little personal <laughs> supplier from Liz's garden. Yeah, but they nearly run out now because it is October. I know. Well, I had some lovely run of beans We've from you. Parsnips. Yeah, and maybe some beetroot yeah. or whatever. But I mean, you can't go wrong because that's great organic, pesticide-free, wonderful stuff. But go the wonky vegetable route as well. I think we, we always think that frozen vegetables are not as good as fresh ones. I don't think that's true. No. Well, I think we all learned a little bit from that and lovely to talk to Pauline. So I think that's all from us this week. Chat soon. Thanks for listening to Two Women Chatting with our special guests. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to us if you left a rating and review. Even better, share with your friends. And please get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. There's a link on our Instagram bio and Facebook pages.